Grab your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, to James, the third chapter. James, the third chapter. Last week, uh, we talked about the tongue and what it can do in our lives for positive or for negative. Uh, the tongue is fire. It's fire, and we're setting forest fires everywhere we go with our words. We're just speaking it out and, and setting forest fires. We look around, and, and our whole world is burning down, and we're trying to find out who started the fire, and it was our mouths. It was our tongue. Our, our, our tongues burn with the fire and the flames of hell. <laughs> our tongues need to be saved. We need, we need, I hope every morning you woke up and said, Lord, I just bless this thing right here. Just... You see, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Your tongue is a deadly weapon, but if you could control your tongue, you could control yourself in every other way. If you could control your tongue, this, this is what James said, if you could control your tongue, you could control yourself in every other way. How many problems would we not have in our lives if we could discipline our tongue? If we could discipline our words, we could discipline so many other things. And so he continues talking about this and um, we recognize how we can talk ourselves into making mistakes, talk ourselves into doing the wrong thing, talk ourselves into being hurt or angry or upset, talking our, talk ourselves into a life of regret, or we could talk ourselves out of it. We could change what we're saying. We could control our mouths. We could speak the word of God. We could speak words of faith, and we could talk ourselves into the life that God promised he had for us. So how do we do it? Three quick ways. Number one, we wait. Don't just go to talking. What did wait stand for, if you remember? Why am I talking? While you're waiting, try to figure out why am I talking? Is this going to help or hurt? Number two, think. Use your brain. Uh, meditate. Think. Look at what the Word of God says. And number three, pray. We've got to ask God for help. Ask God for help. We need Him to anoint our mouths. Lord, Lord, I need you to help me right now before I say something I'm going to regret. So now we pick up in James chapter 3, verse 13. You ready to go this morning? How many of you were thinking about your tongue all week this week and trying to, trying to make sure it stayed under control? A few of you? Okay. The rest of you, uh, you can get it on the podcast again and <laughs> hit replay a couple times. Verse 13, if you're there, say amen. If you're following on your app notes, they should be up and available. Of course, the notes will be on the screen. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. If you're wise and understanding. A lot of people think they're wise and understanding and they are not. Verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous... And there is selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and here's a word we don't like to talk about very often in the, New in the, in the modern church, demonic. One verse, one more verse. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish, selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. Place your hand on your Bible this morning and let's pray. Father, I thank you for bringing us together. 
I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and to worship you, to lift up your name, to call you holy. We, we feel your presence here today. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to move on our hearts, move on our minds, move on our spirits, Lord God, and our souls. Lord, I pray that you would uh, open things up in us, allow us to see beyond our own veils, beyond our own masks, beyond our own cover-ups, Lord God, and see what's really going on, that through you and your love and your comfort and your guidance, you can heal us and get us on the right path. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the people said, amen, amen. amen. I love this word right here where he says, um, let me find it again. He talks about that kind of wisdom, that kind of wisdom. Earlier in our, in our series, he talked about how there were different kinds of faith. How many remember that? There's a faith that saves you, and then there's a faith, meaning you can have a belief in God, but it won't save you. Remember, he used the demons as proof uh, text for that. The demons believe in God. They know He exists, but they don't recognize Him as Lord and Savior. So there's, there's more to this faith thing than just believing that God exists. Now He's going to throw out there for us again that there are different kinds of wisdom. There are different types of wisdom. If you were to leave this church and head towards Lumberton, uh, just before you get into Lumberton, you're going to see an exit. If you stay to the left... You're going to stay on Highway 69 North. If you go to the right, you're going to go on Highway 96 North. How many of you know the exit I'm talking about? Both roads lead up north through East Texas. Both roads seem to have the same feel. The, the numbers are just reversed, so if you're dyslexic in the room, you can get them mixed up on, on a regular basis. If you're not dyslexic in the room, I still get them mixed up on a regular basis. One road takes you to two uh, Lufkin, the other road takes you to Jasper. Here's the thing. You can be driving down that road and it's all East Texas thinking you're going to make it to your destination only to arrive hours later in the wrong city. You're on a road. You're driving in the car. You see the trees everywhere. You're going basically north and yet you arrive at the wrong place. Wisdom acts the same way. There are multiple roads that you're going down. And you're on one road, and you're trying to get to one city or one destination or one goal in life or one marriage or one family or uh, get to one place in your, in your finances or one place in your job or one place in your ministry or whatever it might be, and you're trying to get there, and all the time you're on the wrong road. It feels like the right kind of wisdom. It looks like the right kind of wisdom. It seems intelligent. It seems to be making sense. But you're on Highway 69 and you're supposed to be on Highway 96. And if we do this long enough, it's a guarantee that we'll end up in the wrong place. So James says, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, there's multiple types of wisdom. There are multiple roads. And don't wait until it's too late to realize you were on the wrong road the whole time. You see, the fact of the matter is, if you're driving down the highway, if you'll pay a little bit of attention, you'll see these road signs, and they'll tell you exactly what highway you're on. If you'll look at your navigation on your phone or on your car, you will see that you are on the wrong road. 
But if we just keep on blindly driving, thinking we're going the right way, before long it's too late. So James is concerned. He says, guys, I want, you to, I want you to be really careful because I don't want it to be so far down, you to be so far down the road in life that you went a totally different way, but the whole time you weren't reading the road signs. So here's the deal. Y'all want to talk about the road signs and how to know what wisdom we have? So the first, the first difference in the wisdom is this. There is a difference in the origin. There's a difference in the origin. The first kind of wisdom, he gives us three, three origins here where it comes from. It's all the same, but it's basically, it's man's wisdom, and it comes from three places. And then he's going to give us uh, wisdom from above, and he's going to talk about the origin of where that uh, wisdom comes from. There's actually four places where we get wisdom from God. So there's man's wisdom and God's wisdom, two separate roads. On man's wisdom, he gave us those three words. The first wisdom, the first origin of wisdom is that it comes from earthly things. He said, notice in verse 14, excuse me, verse 15, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. The first place it comes from is earthly, it's earthly wisdom. It comes from here. It's things that man has discovered or man has realized. Now, when we look at this, we have to know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. The difference between knowledge and wisdom. I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to back up in my notes for a second. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. It's often been said that knowledge is uh, being able to take something apart, but wisdom is being able to put it back together. Knowledge is more of intelligence. Um, wisdom is knowing what to do with that intelligence. Earthly knowledge is not necessarily bad. Earthly wisdom is. So the understanding the, the, or, or the knowledge that man attains is not in and of itself bad. I'll give you a for instance. The knowledge that man attained to build a smartphone, how many of you think it can do some really good stuff? The same knowledge that goes into this smartphone can be used in a number of different ways. You could use to send a, cur a, a cursing text message and blow up your marriage or blow up a relationship or, or whatever you might want to do. Or on the same text message function, you could send a text to bless someone, to ask for forgiveness, to encourage someone, right? Same knowledge, it's about wisdom is how are you using it. You can take an app on here and you could read your Bible app and you could read the Bible and you could get the Word of God in you and you could build yourself up as a Christian. You could do daily devotionals on the technology, on understanding or knowledge developed by man. Or, or you could take it and you could open up your, your internet and you could search for pornography and look at all kinds of evil things. The technology in and of itself isn't wrong. The knowledge isn't what's wrong. It's the wisdom of what are we doing with it. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge we've attained. And often it's confusing. You see, we just want to, even when it, even when it relates to scriptures, sometimes we just want to blindly quote scriptures and think they apply to every situation, and they don't always. Can I give you a for instance? This verse is going to mess you up for just a second. Just be prepared. Proverbs, I'm going back, guys, Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. Watch what he says. 
Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, and and hold right here on verse 4, or you will become as foolish as they are. If you start arguing with fools and arguing with like fools, you're going to be a fool just like them. How many of you know that in your life? You, You just can't argue with a fool. Now, this is the book of Proverbs. This is the book of wisdom. Now, I want you to notice what he says. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you'll become as foolish as they are. This is verse 4. Now go to verse 5. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools or they will become wise in their own estimation. So, wrong wisdom would say, pick and choose whichever verse you want to choose to justify what you're doing. Right? If I'm arguing with a fool at work, Anybody work with a fool? My staff's here. I won't raise my hand, but I, you raise your hand if you work with a fool. And they just are, and just, and you just, you, you're trying to decide: Do I acknowledge them? Do I respond, or do I not? Have you ever been there? And, and you're just trying to make this decision. Well, if you look at verse four, your response will always be: I'm never going to respond to the fool. I'm not even going to acknowledge them because I want to be, don't want to be like they are. But if my knowledge is only of verse 5 and my wisdom doesn't tell me what to do, then I'm going to always be trying to fight with a fool. Wisdom teaches us how to know when to respond and when not to respond. You see, there are certain situations where a fool is arguing for the sake of arguing. They're not arguing to learn. They're not arguing. They're, they're, they're not arguing to grow. They're not arguing to try to figure out how to make good decisions in their life. They're just arguing for the sake of arguing. When you recognize that and you realize that all they want to do is just fight you for no reason and they're never going to admit anything and they're never going to make any changes. They're just a fool. Don't, don't engage in that type of argument because you're going to end up being a fool too. But there are times when a fool doesn't know he's a fool, and he's saying things that are causing him problems and causing his family problems, and he's trying to justify it, but there's something different in his heart that's saying, I'm really crying out for help. And the Spirit of God in us recognizes that and doesn't respond necessarily to the argument of the fool, but responds to the heart and tries to give wisdom and, and guidance. We don't get in an argument with them, but we try to speak words of peace and love and direction. It's, it's, it's wisdom that teaches us which is the case. Are you with me? It's wisdom. Both verses are true. Wisdom teaches us which one to use in, which, in whichever situation. Now, we come back to here to earthly, earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, uh, it, it, it's, it's knowledge that the world seems to have gained. Um, we've learned a lot of things. Uh, but even, again, you, you go through Scripture wisdom. You remember uh, King Saul and young David. David says, I'll go fight Goliath. Y'all remember the story of David and Goliath? Y'all go fight uh, uh, Goliath. I'll I'll go fight Goliath. And and Saul says, well, you're going to have to put on all of my armor. So here's little young David, and and he puts on all the armor, and he can't fight. Now, man's wisdom said, don't go to battle with one of the greatest champions in the known world. He is literally nine and a half foot tall. He's almost twice your size. Don't go into battle with him without protection. But wisdom from God 
said, I, don't, I can't function in that. I need, I need my slingshot. Guys, is the, uh, is the Holy Spirit cloud on? I don't know what you call it. I need some water. <laughs> Somebody, uh, Pastor Ronnie, can you help me get some water? Like I I'm struggling to see y'all in the back. It's all foggy. I don't know what's going on here. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry about that. So David said, and, 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 it was, and it was wisdom from God, I don't need the armor, I need my slingshot. The, the armor isn't bad, but using the armor incorrectly would have gotten David, David in trouble. Earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom is pointing us towards earthly possessions, worldly possessions. Um, earthly wisdom is always wanting us to gain the temporary, not the eternal. It's worried about making sure we get the house that we want and the car that we want and the wife that we want and the kids that we want and the job that we want and the money that we want. It's, it's, it's worried about things that are happening here on the earth and not eternal. That's what earthly wisdom is. It's not driven by eternal things. Number two, the, the second origin is this, unspiritual, unspiritual. Uh, unspiritual here is obviously the opposite of spiritual. When you study, especially the writings of the Apostle Paul, you see him always putting two, these two things at odds. On the one side, you have the spirit, and on the other side, you have the flesh. And so we see these two opposite sides battling with one another. James is talking about the same subject here. He just uses a different word. Instead of using the flesh or fleshly desires, he uses the word unspiritual, things that are not of God, things that are pulling you away from God, the desires of the flesh, the desires of our bodies, the desires of earthly man uh, uh, that, that are put in us because of our sin. It's, it's pulling us away. And so the, sec the first origin is just the knowledge that we're gaining on earth and, and, and the knowledge to try to get more things. But the second uh, origin is this. It's our flesh. It's our desires. It's what we want that's driving us. So you get into a situation. You're, you're choosing between which road. If you choose the road of your flesh or your sin, it's going to pull you towards earthly or man's wisdom and away from God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom is spiritual wisdom. Number three, you learn anything today? Actually, I'll tell you what, let's go to 2 Corinthians real fast. Let me, let me show you this in Scripture. But I had no peace of mind uh, because of my dear brother Titus hadn't arrived yet with a report from you. So I said goodbye and went to Macedonia to find them. But thank God, this is, I gave you the wrong verse. I probably meant 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. For, we'll skip it. Go to verse 15. Let me make sure. Yeah, that would not be a verse on wisdom. It's a good verse. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. That's my apologies. But here's the point. Here's the point. Um, the unspiritual is at odds with the spiritual. Unspiritual wisdom and spiritual wisdom from God are pulling us in separate directions. Let's go to number three. Number three is the demonic. It's demonic influence pulling us one way or the other. And you say, well, Pastor Ren, and I don't believe in demons. You should. I'll just tell you the truth. You should. You see it time and time in Scripture. You see it from the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You see the work of the devil. Uh, you, you see his, his demonic influence. I, I don't believe that every person that's not saved is, is 
filled with demons, but I do believe that there are demonic influences driving and pushing us. And that's what James is referring to here. There are demonic influences that are pulling you down a road of wisdom that seems like wisdom, but it's not. We see this for the very first time in Genesis chapter 3, when, when Eve is looking at the apple that God told her not to eat. And the serpent, the devil, comes up to her and he says, if you need it, you, if you eat it, you'll become like God. And, she, and he plays on her uh, what she was looking for and desiring to be. And that it, it was that demonic influence that enticed her to eat of the apple and change the entire history uh, of mankind. It was, it was demonic influence. So Pastor Ren, and I, I'm not full of the devil. I'm not saying you are. But if you don't think that the enemy is at work in this world, you, you're, you're living in ignorance. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. I'm just telling you, he is at work and he's trying to control things and manipulate things. He will take the truth and he will twist it and he will mess you up. He did it with Jesus. He came with scripture, remember? When, when Jesus was being tempted, he would say, if you are the son of God. Well, he knew he was the son of God, but he was twisting it. And then what he would do is he would use verses, he would use scripture to confuse Jesus. Now, it didn't work, but he said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from the temple. And Jesus is like, no. And, and, and then he said, you know, why don't you just bow? But he was, he was tempting and he was trying to influence Jesus. Demonic influence will be trying to get you to put yourself in the place of God. Notice, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here's what, here's what Satan is trying to do. Satan is trying to put Jesus, remember Jesus always said, I only do what I hear my father say and do what I hear my father, uh, do what my father tells me to do, right? I'm, I'm here to do the work of my father. So what, what Satan is trying to influence Jesus to do is step out of his role of son and into the role of God as father. Now, Jesus was too wise and wouldn't do that, but that's what he was trying to convince him to do. What, remember, with, with Eve, what's he trying to convince her to do? Step out of her role in looking up to God and become equal with God. Demonic influence in your life is always trying to um, remove God from your life and make you God or something else God in its place. Well, understand, this is a desire in most men and women. It's a secret desire. So he's playing on what's already the seeds of what's already in us and has been passed down from Adam and Eve. And he's trying to pull on that so that we move God to the side. We recognize him, but we really want to be the God of our own life. We really want to be in charge of our own life. We really want to do what we want to do and not what God wants us to do. You track there? So if you feel something, if you feel that there's a situation in your life and the wisdom is leading you to take the place of God, that's demonic influence. Okay, you guys are really quiet today. You're just looking at me. I don't know if you're mad at me. I don't know if you're, if you're like thinking about in your mind how many times you might have been influenced by the devil and didn't know it. True wisdom comes from above. Four places we get true wisdom comes through Jesus. It comes through Jesus. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him being Jesus 
to be wisdom itself. Here's the deal. The more you get to know Jesus, the more wisdom of God you have access to. Because Jesus is wisdom itself. Everything he does is wisdom. So if we learn more about Jesus, we'll know more and we'll have access to more wisdom from God. Number two, it's through the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 15, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you wisdom. The more you read this book, the more access to wisdom from on high that you have. Number three, number three is through prayer. We read this in the first part of James. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and He will give it to you, and He will not rebuke you for asking. Who are you asking for wisdom? Who are you going to for guidance? Who are you asking about direction? Have you really stopped and prayed? Because if you ask God, He'll give it to you generously. Number four is this. It's the Holy Spirit. It comes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and he leads us and he guides us. Uh, Ephesians 1 and 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, I love this verse because you can see the, entire, uh, the entirety of the Trinity in this verse. Watch. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see Jesus the Son. Our glorious Father, so we see the Father God. Well, if you're going to see the first two, you're probably going to see the third one, and it's this, the Spirit of Wisdom. Notice that Spirit is capitalized, and, and, and we've talked about this before. When you see the word Spirit capitalized in Scripture, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. If it's lowercase, and it depends on the version that you're reading, but if it's lowercase, it's referring to our Spirit. So here's what, here's what Paul said may give you, I'm asking Jesus, I'm asking God, I'm asking somebody on duty up there to give you the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of wisdom. It's actually one of the names of the Holy Spirit. We know Him as the Comforter, we know Him as the Guide, we know Him as the Helper, but one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom. And so if you need more wisdom in your life, you know what? You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a difference in origins. Difference in origins lead us to uh, a difference in operations. A difference in operations. So where it came from, and then what is it doing? What is the wisdom doing? Well, man's wisdom, you see it in four things. And I'm going to read the verse for you again. Verse 14. But if you are bitterly jealous, everybody say bitterly jealous, and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. First thing is this. We recognize man's wisdom because it's evident in bitter jealousy. Are you, are you jealous? Is there jealousy in your life? Is there jealousy in your heart? It's that greedy or, or prideful longing for something that belongs to another. It can even be intangible things. Jealous of their marriage, jealous of their position, jealous of a skill set. It doesn't have to be just jealous of a, of a house or a car. It can be jealous of intangible things. It often leads to resentment. It makes us suspicious of people. You look at people in your life and they have something more than you do. 
and you start become suspicious. You're talking to someone someone else. I mean, they got that, but I mean, do we do we really know how they got that? Do we really know what they did to get that? I mean, listen, they're in the same business that I am, and I'm not driving a car like that and living in a house like that, and I know how hard I work, and I know uh, they, had to have, they had to have cut some corners somewhere. They got the promotion you wanted. I mean, I mean, come on, yeah, I mean, they got it. Okay, they're the boss now, but I mean, we know what really happened. You ever heard those kind of conversations? They're rooted in, they're rooted in jealousy is actually what's going on. They're rooted in jealousy because jealousy is wanting what someone else has and it's, and, and it's why them, why not me? Remember, the disciples were even talking about it. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus is like, what are y'all talking about? Why? Because they, they were jockeying for position and they wanted to make sure that no one got what they didn't have and, and they got what they deserved and, and, and they, they, didn't, they, they, they were all fighting for that one place. Jealousy. Jealousy leads to selfish ambition. So now when we see someone that has what we want, we can't get it, then we become ambitious, and and it's a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions. So we not only do we want it, but we're willing to lose our morals, lose ourself, lose our foundation in order to get it. Wanting more out of life is not in and of itself evil, but when you're willing to step on everyone around you and everything that you've been taught, and you're willing to walk away from your own morals and ethics to get it, it becomes selfish ambition. This word here, it actually uh, translates party spirit. Party spirit. And you think, well, you like, like going to a party? No, no. It's a term that was used to describe a politician that would go out canvassing for votes. So when they say the word party, think more Democrat or Republican, not, you know, uh, birthday party, right? Party, that's what they're talking about. It's, it's party language. And so it, 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 it's, it's referring to a politician who goes out among the people and says whatever he has to say and does whatever he has to do to garner votes to convince you, I want you to vote for me. And then forcing people to say, choose me or him. Now in politics, if you're going to get elected, there's, there's some measure of you have to go out and seek votes. That's part of the deal. But in the kingdom of God, that's not what we should be doing. In our lives every day, we shouldn't be pitting each other, people against, them, uh, against us to make them choose us or them. We're not canvassing for support every day. Um, We're not going out and trying to build ourselves up to be something that we're really not. Jesus talked about this in in, uh, Matthew chapter 6. And he's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were always trying to build themselves up. They were always trying to step themselves up and make themselves bigger than they are because they had selfish ambition in their lives. And so Jesus said it like this. He's teaching his disciples, and he's like, we're going to do this differently. This is how they've done it. The way they did it was when when the religious people would give, they would make a big show of what they were going to give. They would talk about how much they gave and how generous they are and how much they did. He said, but I don't want you to do that. I just want you to give and don't say a word about it. 
Don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Does that mean that you should never be honored or recognized for, for your generosity? That's not the point. Jesus is pointing to a heart issue. Why are you doing it? The, the, the religious, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing it to build themselves up, not to really be generous. Do you understand? He went on. He said, when you pray, don't Stand there on the street corner and recite all these prayers and say all these beautiful words and show off uh, your, how good of a wordsmith you are and your uh, oratory uh, prowess. Don't stand there and do that to convince people to come look at you. Why? They were trying to pull disciples to themselves. They were trying to get more people to follow them. And so the better they were at it, the more crowd they could gather, the more people and therefore the more selfish ambition, the more they could go up the ladder. You see in the process? So Jesus says, don't do that, man. Let's go to our closet and pray. Let's just, let's just pray like this. And he changes the way we pray. And that's where we get to pray. And that's where we get the Lord's prayer. Then the third thing is he says, when you fast, don't make a big show of it. Don't go to work. Oh, I'm dying today. I haven't eaten in an hour and a half. And I'm i got four more to go, and I'm not going to make it. No, no, no. He said, he said, man, listen, take a bath, clean yourself up, don't say a word about it. Don't draw attention to yourself while the purpose of fasting is trying to take attention off of self and put it on God. Right? And this, this, this is what James is talking about. He said, when you fast, and fast, but don't make a big show of it. Don't announce it to the whole world. That's not the point. But that's what people were doing. That's what these religious people were doing is they were standing up and they would fast and they would show how great they were. And again, it was selfish ambition because really what they were doing was trying to build themselves up. What are you doing in your life? It's okay to have ambition, but when it's all about everything you do relates back to moving your life forward and getting one up on the person next to you and, and keeping up with the Joneses and making sure you get what's yours and, and, and why not me? I deserve it, so I'm going to go get it. That's, that's, that's bad wisdom. And, and, and when you have earthly wisdom, demonic wisdom, man's wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, that's how it shows up. Then it goes to the third piece. We start building ourselves up. Now, not enough people talk about us, so we have to talk about ourselves. It's called boasting. I did this and I did that and I take credit thing for things that were not fully me and I start bragging on myself and I start building myself up. Uh, and, then the, and then, you know, bragging always leads to lying. Am I right? Like at some point, like, dude, that's just a lie. I mean, you, you were awesome today, but that, that's just a lie. You didn't do all that. Because, because boasting leads to lying when it, when it starts with we're really trying to build ourselves up to get what we think we deserve because someone that has it and we want it. God's wisdom. I'm going to give you these really quickly. Okay, we're gonna, I'm going to give you these really quickly. James says there's nine things that will help you recognize if it's God's wisdom. And if you're confused, look at these things. Number one is humility, humble, meekness, meekness. The, the, the picture here in the Greek for this word um, is a horse who's already been broken. The picture is it's power under control. Meekness is not weakness. The horse is still powerful. The horse can do things that humans cannot do, but it's under control. That's what humility is. That's what meekness is. 
James chapter 3, verse 13. I love it. He said, the, the meekness of wisdom in the New King James Version. The meekness of wisdom. Um, meekness is right use of power, and wisdom is right use of knowledge. You want to have a successful in your life, successful life. Live a life full of the wisdom or the or the meekness of wisdom, understanding how to use power and understanding how to use knowledge. And when those two things come together, God will show up in your life. Watch what He says in verse seventeen. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield, full of mercy, good deeds, shows no favoritism, and is always sincere. Here's the next eight. The second one is this. It's pure. The word pure here means holy. It means it does the right thing. It acts right. It's not sinning. It's not doing the wrong thing. It's pure. It's holy. It's set apart unto God. It might be different than what everyone else would do, but it's God's way. It's pure. It's doing the godly thing. If your wisdom is causing you to sin, it's not pure and it's not holy. And it's not from God. Number three, peace, peace, peace. Um, man's wisdom leads to competition, rivalry, and war. But God's wisdom leads to peace based on holiness, not compromise. Now, this is very, very important. I want you to know this. We don't sacrifice our holiness for the sake of peace. We don't sacrifice our holiness, what is right and what is pure, for the sake of peace. Number four, we'll keep moving here. Y'all okay today? Y'all are just staring at me. I don't know if you didn't sleep last night. Y'all were up watching the Astros, going to the World Series. Number four, uh, <laughs> uh, number four is the word, he said, gentle, gentle, gentle. Um, the word gentle here is, is, is an important word. Um, we think gentle means like soft. It's not really the case. The picture here is it's, it's of a judge who, let's say a person came before you and they were convicted of breaking the law. Now you choose their sentence. All right? So the judge has a decision to make. Let's say you commit a crime and you're going to jail, but, but the range is one year to ten years. The, the word gentleness here. Is, in, is, is the judge knowing whether you really should have one year or you need the full 10 years. The law demands all 10, but the judge says, no, 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 there were circumstances in this case. Maybe you were a first-time offender. Maybe you felt like you had no choice. Whatever the case may be, and I'm just going to, I have to punish you, but I'm only going to give you one year. I could give you 10. I'm only going to give you one. Gentleness in our life is knowing when to punish people and when to say, you know what, I'm not sacrificing who I am and what you did wasn't right, but I'm not going to punish you for it. I'm not going to pay you back for it. Are you with me? Gentle. Uh, number five is compliant. Compliant, uh, it, it means agreeable or able to get along. Uh, uh, man's wisdom wants to fight with everybody. God's wisdom doesn't mean we cave and give in to our true convictions, but it means we're agreeable. We're easy to get along with. If I ask your spouse, are you easy to live with? What would they say? You might need God's wisdom on the subject. Now, again, compliance here is being agreeable, but not willing to sacrifice our own true convictions. When it comes to my convictions, the things in this scripture, I'm convicted about them. And I want to be agreeable and I want to get along, but I'll remove myself from the situation before I 
turn my back on my own convictions. And let me just tell you, stubbornness and hard-headedness is not a conviction. That's not a conviction. That's just a choice. Comply. Number six. Number six, full of mercy. Full of mercy. This word full of here is the same word, the uh, same basic uh, Greek word that we see when, when Paul talked about being filled with the Spirit. And the word implies control. What is controlling you? Mercy or justice? Which one is controlling you? We talked about this before already in our series. I won't talk about it too much. Verse 7 is good fruit. Good fruit. Good fruit. You are producing good fruit from your good deeds. If your wisdom is not producing good fruit when you, when you walk it out, when you function on it, it's not producing good fruit. It's not, God's, it's, it's not God's wisdom. It's another kind of wisdom. God's wisdom always produces good fruit. Um, number eight, no favoritism. This means not swayed to the left or the right by whoever has, you know, the best offer. We talked about this early in our series. And number nine is uh, sincerity. Uh, sincerity. Um, not a hypocrite. Not one who wears a mask. Not one who's putting on a face to try to do something that they're not really doing. But they're genuine and they're real. When they're right, they're genuine and honest. And when they're wrong, they're genuine and they're honest. And they're sincere. They're asking for forgiveness. Sincerity. And I'm closing right here. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Not only is there a difference in how they operate, but there is a difference in the outcomes. And this is where the issue lies. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Man's wisdom leads to all type of bad results. It leads to disorder. It leads to confusion. You thought you were doing right, but you were following man's wisdom and you ended up confused. You're looking around and you say, why did this happen to me? What went wrong? You know, the, the truth of the matter is disorder often leads to dysfunction in our life. Why? Confusion. You remember the Tower of Babel when all of men decided to get together and build a tower into the heavens? Seemed like a good idea, but it was man's wisdom. Where did they actually end up? They ended up confused, separated, speaking different languages. Are there areas in your life where you're looking around and you're saying, I'm just confused. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how I ended up here. It's just complete disorganization. There's no order. There's no structure. I, I don't know how to move forward. That might be because you've been using the wrong kind of wisdom. Number two, evil of every kind. Evil here is worthless of no account, meaning it seems right, but in the end, it will be worth nothing. What's the, what's the point? If you're following man's wisdom, it leads you to sin. Sin seems right in the moment. It feels right in the moment. It feels good in the moment. But when you get to the day of judgment and you're standing before God, it's going to account to nothing because you've been doing the wrong thing. You've been sinning. And even though it seemed to make sense on earth, it doesn't make sense in God's ways. And God says, you know, you can't, you can't sin. You've got to ask for forgiveness. You've got to make changes in your life. You've got to make me the Lord and Savior of your life. We're going, to get, we're going to be judged based off of our lives. The sin in our lives seems right for a moment, but it's not right. And the same thing happens not just with the final day of judgment, 
but we're making decisions every single day. And we're trying to use wisdom. But when evil of every kind is around us and it's taken over our life, this evil seems right in the moment, but later on you pay the price for it. How many decisions have you made this year, early this year, late last year, two years ago, that seemed right in the moment, but now they're here and they were the wrong decision and you're paying the price for it? That's what evil does in our life. It always has a price. But God's wisdom, verse 18, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness. Now, righteousness refers to, first of all, our relationship with God. But in, in my Bible, it's also translated two other ways. It's harvest of righteousness. It's a harvest of justice. What, is that? what does justice mean? Righteousness refers to our right standing with God. Justice refers to if you do the right thing long enough, God will work it out on your behalf and justice will come in your life. But if you're trying to work justice for yourself, you're going down the wrong path. Let God work out justice. And then the third one is this. It's a harvest of good things. Literally, just of good things. If we follow the wisdom of God in our life, we will reap a harvest. We're sowing seeds. Everywhere we go, we're sowing seeds. And our words and our deeds and our actions, we're sowing seeds. And we will reap a harvest. What kind of harvest are you going to reap? Are you going to reap the disorder and the every evil kind? Or are you going to reap the harvest of good things, of right standing with God, and of justice? I want to pray this morning because what I know is, as I'm just studying this, these words of wisdom, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten it wrong. I didn't mean to get it wrong. It wasn't because I wasn't really trying hard. It wasn't because I didn't love Jesus, but I didn't realize what was driving me, and I didn't realize I was looking at life, looking at the situation through man's wisdom and not God's wisdom. So the first place that I have to come to is, Father, forgive me. And for all the seeds that I have sown, of the wrong kind of wisdom, I'm asking you to forgive me and turn them around and help me get on the right track. Wherever you are today, you say, well, man, Pastor Randall, I've had a lot of man's wisdom. I understand. Start with God's wisdom today. You can do it. Father, I thank you for speaking to us today. I thank you for opening our hearts and our minds. I thank you for teaching us about your word, teaching us about your wisdom. Lord, I am asking that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, O oh God. Lord, we want wisdom from on high, not man's wisdom, not earthly wisdom, not, not wisdom that has a negative effect on our life, but God, we want your wisdom. Lord, I am speaking over your people today, those in this room and those watching online. I am speaking over them a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of justice, and a harvest of good things. Bless your people today, Lord God, as we start out on the right road the road of wisdom from on high. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray.